0: RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today we're talking about creatine. It's a supplement that's very popular with athletes and people who exercise regularly. In fact, it's thought to be one of the most popular ergogenic aids used by athletes. But is it necessary and do you need to take it? Well, we hope to answer these questions today. We're going to outline what creatine is and how it works. We'll look at the benefits and drawbacks of taking creatine supplements and whether you can get enough creatine from your food. And we'll also focus on the key considerations when choosing a creatine supplement. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance, and especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome everybody, I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen as always and we're going to share something personal with you to begin with um, about our nutritional running before we get on to discuss our main topic of today which is focusing on creatine and that's a supplement that's very popular with athletes and people who exercise regularly. But before we, we dive into that Karen, my question to do, to you today is have you got any holidays planned for the summer? And if so, will it involve running or are you going to take a bit of a break and just relax? So what have you got planned?
1: Oh, hi, Elena. Hi, everybody. Well, yes, I do have a holiday planned, which I'm really excited about and can't wait. Um, we're going to spend a little time in Spain and then we're going to move on to France. And I will be doing some running because I've entered the Haute Four Mountain event, which takes place on the 6th of August. Now, I have spoken about the in event before and it is one of my favourite races in the calendar. Um, So I'm really excited about it because it hasn't been around for a couple of years because of COVID and lockdown and everything. So I'm really excited about doing, doing it. But once it is over, I am then going to take a little bit of time away from running, still be active maybe, um, but take a a, a bit of time away from running and just chill a little. So Mm -hmm. that is my plan, Aileen. How about you? What are your holiday plans this summer? And will you be running or relaxing? Well, before
0: I tell you, Karen, I just wondered if you'd um, tell us a little bit about the race. What What is it and uh, what kind of r- running is it? I guess it's a mountain race.
1: It, it is, Aileen. It's um, the Oat 4 and there are different um, um, lengths of run that you can do. There's a, a 15K, a 24K, a 44K and a 50K. And I do the 24K. Now, that 24K still takes me about four and a half hours to complete. Um, because, like you say, it is in the mountains, and you you actually climb to two thousand seven hundred meters,
0: wow. and,
1: um, and and some of it also is so steep that you have to walk; you just can't run. And also, it's almost like a bit you're on ledges sometimes. Um, and they've just recently added ropes so that you do actually have something to hold on to, because it would be quite easy to slip off. So um, it's a challenging run, but it's such an exciting run and an exhilarating run. And, you know, just coming down into the finish is just the most wonderful feeling. So, um, so, so, yeah, And it's in August. So the weather's usually really nice. So, amazing, really amazing. Yeah, it is. I would love to be able to do the 50k, but that's just not on my radar at the moment. Maybe one day, maybe one day. Very anyway, yeah. Over to you, Alien. How about your summer? Um, well,
0: I'm off to Italy soon um, on a walking holiday and it's in the mountains. So it's going to be from place to place. We won't be running. We will be walking. Um, and it's um, it's actually um, part. It's a stage one of the Via Francogena Uh, walk which is an old pilgrim walk and there's lots of different stages if you were going to do the whole thing it would take 50 days but we're just doing one stage of it so we're doing it for i think it's about seven seven days um and it's from you start actually in switzerland at Bourg st pierre and um then you move through italy at very high mountain passes it looks beautiful And then uh, at the end of the the walk, we're having a two-day city break in Turin. So uh, that's my favorite kind of holiday, to be honest. I love doing sort of a mountain walk holiday, followed by a little bit of culture at the end. Um, So it's it's a really nice thing to do. So I think there's going to be lots of steep climbing up and down, and it'll be great for fitness. Uh, But I do remember last year, you know, when I did the coast-to-coast coast walk it took a couple of weeks at home for my legs to adapt to running again um i guess the muscles are used in different ways in the legs uh, for running and walking and uh the Doms that I had afterwards uh, was was really challenging, and uh, you know, I just thought I was never going to recover. and it wasn't that the walking, it was like the switching from walking to running and the Doms after that that was the problem. Um, so anyway, I'm prepared this year. I know to expect this, and uh, it'll all be good, hopefully. Yeah.
1: And do you find, although you're walking, do you find that um, doing the mountain walking over that period of time is really good training for the GNR, the Great North Run in September?
0: Well, it's um, yeah, I mean, because you 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 know you're energetic, you, you you're building resilience, you're doing a lot of miles every day, uh, so generally fitness is good, um, which is great. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh, it's just a little bit different isn't it it's um i've got just got to factor that in i mean fortunately you know there's still probably about a month after the end of the holiday to um you know do another couple of weeks training and then a bit of tapering down at the end so it should yes. be all, all be good so, yes, yeah, something to look forward to. Um, so shall we get on and talk about our topic for today, uh, which I said is all about creatine. So the question we're asking is, do I need to take creatine or should I be taking creatine? And and it is a question we get asked a lot, um, not only by listeners, but also clients and, and friends who, who run um, and people we meet socially and I think that's because it is a popular supplement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people have heard of it, even if they don't know much about it. Um, and it is thought to be one of the most popular ergogenic aids used by athletes. Um, but as I, I said, you know, we question we're asking, is it necessary? Do you need to take it? Um, so we're going to be answering a few questions during today's uh, conversation. So to begin with, we're going to outline exactly Um, what creatine is and how it works we'll look at the benefits and the potential drawbacks from taking creatine supplements and asking the question is is food enough and then finally we'll focus on some key considerations um, when choosing a creatine supplement Uh, so Karen could you start by explaining what creatine is
1: yeah, sure, Aileen. So so creatine, which is otherwise known as methylguanidine acetic acid, so I think we'll stick to creatine. Um, it's a naturally occurring non-protein amino acid compound, and it's produced endogenously, so within the body from the amino acids. And just as a reminder, the amino acids are those building blocks of protein. So it's produced within the body from the amino acids, arginine, glycine, and methionine. And it's produced both in the kidneys and in the liver. But we can also attain creatine exogenously. So from outside the body through principally eating um, foods such as uh, red meat and seafood. And of course, through supplementation, which is what everybody has heard about as creatine supplements. Now, Creatine is found primarily in skeletal muscle. In fact, ninety-five percent of creatine is found in skeletal muscle, with the remaining five percent being found in the brain and in the testes. And about two-thirds of the intramuscular creatine is found in its bound form. So it's fa- it's found for um as phosphocreatine with the other third being the free creatine now we excrete from that we excrete approximately 1 to 2% of the intramuscular creatine and it's known as creatinine so when people have test results blood blood test results they'll qu- quite often say, see creatinine um, a- a- as one of the results and that is the byproduct from the metabolism of creatine and we um, so, so we excrete that daily in urine. So as a result, because we excrete that amount, we need to replenish this daily by consuming approximately one to three grams of creatine per day to maintain normal levels. But again, how much we need to replenish will depend on muscle mass because we store most of it in muscle. Now, we obtain about half of our daily requirement of creatine from the diet the other half is synthesized in the body from those amino acids that um, that I mentioned earlier so that's that's what it is and and how it's created and how we we obtain it in a nutshell Aileen.
0: Well that's that's really interesting Karen Uh, so now we know what it is uh, what can you tell us about its role on the body?
1: Well, the key role of, of creatine in the body is to maintain an energy availability. Now, I mentioned earlier that two thirds of um, intramuscular creatine is found in its bound form, so in that phosphocreatine um, form. So, it's bound to a phosphoryl group. Um, now, this is 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 done through the action of a key enzyme called creatine kinase, which is another marker actually that you see in test results. Now, this is. Um, um, th- this sort of um, combination is commonly known as the creatine kinase phosphocreatine system. So it's it's a system in itself that supports energy. Now, the breakdown, so the hydrolysis of this phosphocreatine into free creatine and a, a phosphoryl group creates free energy, which can then be used to synthesize ATP, so that's adenosine triphosphate, which is our principal um, energy currency. And we have spoken about ATP um, in another episodes when speaking about the the energy cycle. Now, it is um, also thought that um, that creatine kinase, phosphocreatine system, plays an important role in the movement, so that shuttling of intramuscular uh, intracellular energy sorry from the mitochondria and as we know the mitochondria are our energy our cell energy powerhouses into um the liquid that's found inside the cell so which is known as cytosol and that is where the energy is utilized so it's another um sort of um way that it that that um creatine works now additionally the phosphocreatine diffuses into the mitochondria and couples up with ATP, then diffuses back into that cytosol to help buffer the energy needs. And this coupling is also known to reduce the formation of um, what's known as uh, reactive oxygen species, or ROS, as some people might have seen it um, written, which can cause inflammation and cell damage. So creatine is, is therefore known to also... Act as a direct um, or possibly an indirect antioxidant. So, got lots of, of, of roles in the body. But because this um, system, so the creatine kinase, phosphocreatine system, connects sites of ATP, so that energy production, with subcellular sites of energy utilization in order to um to fuel energy metabolism this system's thought to be an important regulator of metabolism which might be the reason why it's thought to be an uh, an effective ergogenic aid because it regulates um m- metabolism in the body so alien that's quite a quite a, an education <laughs> It's like okay.
0: it I feel like I've been to a biology lesson there. Paris. It's really interesting, and uh, to know, you know, just how powerful creatine is. And um, it's also um, interesting to know, you know, that not just is creatine great for to work as a an effective ergogenic aid for sports performance, but creatine's also been found to have a potential therapeutic. Um, health benefit for people um, who've got particular health conditions, including um, things like neurodegenerative diseases like muscular dystrophy, Parkinson's, Huntingdon's, and and it's thought to slow down disease progression. So it's really interesting to know that it's used therapeutically there. And also um, it's thought to reduce um, arrhythmias and improve heart function um, during ischemia which is the reduced blood flow to the heart so um, you know if, if people haven't uh, heard of it just being used as a, as a sports ergogenic aid maybe they'll start listening out for how it could be used with different health conditions now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's actually been quite a significant amount of research into this area, all these areas that you've mentioned, Aileen, but also um, creatine is thought to, to be brain and spinal cord neuroprotective due to its role in energy production and maintenance and also the supplementation of creatine. A supportive in individuals suffering from inborn errors which leads to a creatine deficiency syndrome so ju- they just don't have the enzymes or the proteins or whatever to to, to, to help support that production of creatine now creatine's is also thought to be um, beneficial to health in the ageing population and that's due to its ability to um, help lower cholesterol and triglyceride levels and also so it's... Um it's also known to reduce fat accumulation in the liver and reduce homocysteine levels. Now, homocysteine levels are really important for, uh, and, and low reduced homocysteine levels are important for heart health. But also, like I mentioned earlier, it does serve as an antioxidant and it can also enhance glycemic control, so really help to balance blood sugar levels and increase strength and or muscle mass. And as we know, we lose muscle strength and muscle mass as we age so lots of benefits to creatine actually
0: potentially yeah, yeah
1: i'm thinking of uh,
0: a few clients that might benefit from it definitely mm-hmm. um, so you know from what we're saying creatine has got lots of health benefits uh, particularly for people with advanced years and you know often when we've got low energy you know we sort of like thinking what what is it and this could be another reason that our energy production isn't as good as it could be mm-hmm. um and and I guess that all the benefits that we've been talking about for people with advanced years could also be appropriate for people at the younger age too, depending on what their presenting symptoms are. Um but I'm I'm assuming, Karen, that you know, the things that you just shared with us there comes from studies carried out on an elderly population.
1: Yes, it is, Eileen. hence why it's specific to um, to the elderly. But I, I agree with you, you know, some of these symptoms, I'm thinking about the glycemic control and muscle mass and muscle strength, um, it, it, it could support um, younger people as well. And hence why it's very popular for, for gym goers, because it does support that muscle strength and muscle mass, and that's how they use it. So definitely... Mm-hmm. Okay so we've
0: determined that creatine can be made from certain uh, amino amino acids um, and we can also get it um, from meat and seafood and so when I said amino acids I mean um, by the body so the body can make the, um, the creatine um, and it's important for energy maintenance and it's been found to support general health and um, people living with certain conditions. But now let's move on to the sporting world and discover um, if there are any potential benefits for a runner in particular and, and other, other athletes. Um, and, and also, um, we need to consider any drawbacks to taking creatine supplements. And, and what about food? So I've got a lot of questions there, Karen. Sorry, so should we start with the
1: benefits. What would they be? Yes, absolutely. So the key benefits to athletes uh, from taking the supplemental creatine does appear to be that enhanced performance. That's ultimately what they're looking for. But um, a- alongside that, there's greater training adaptation. So, for example, that increased muscle mass, that increased um, muscle strength, but also improved post-exercise recovery, uh, prevention and or reduction in injury severity, Enhanced rehabilitation from injury, but also improved tolerance of heavy training load. So, these are the different approaches that um, have been found in research to be supportive for that overall enhanced performance. So, a really wide range of potential training benefits.
0: Mm. Um, which could result from the intake of creatine. So let's have a look at those in a little bit more detail. Um, so it's been said that most of the research um, is focused on power and strength athletes rather than endurance sports. Um, and the research notes that following creatine loading um, that high intensity or repetitive exercise generally increases by between 10 and 20 percent, which is quite significant, isn't it, Karen?
1: Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's so true, Aileen. Although the um, the ISSN, so the International um um society for sports nutrition and their position stand on creatine supplementation which was presented in 2017 they actually state that endurance athletes could maybe benefit from creatine supplementation too and that's primarily linked to the fact that it is thought to enhance the glycogen storage but like you say most of the most of the research is done on strength athletes so um but let's look at the benefits of creating an enhanced recovery from training because, you know, after all, we all want to recover efficiently so that we are prepared for that next bite of exercise. Now, this appears, again, to be associated with creatine's ability to promote the greater glycogen storage, like I said. And there was a, a, a study, it's quite an old study done way back in 1996, and it showed that co-ingesting creatine with a large amount of, of glucose, now this study used 5 grams of creatine to uh, 95 grams of glucose, so it's quite quite a high amount, and that enhanced both creatine and carbohydrate storage, so as glycogen in the muscle. Now, this enhanced glycogen storage appeared to be greater than when consuming carbohydrate only, because as we know, carbohydrate um, after after training is really important for replenishing glycogen stores. So this study is suggesting that if you take creatine alongside it, that storage will be enhanced. Um, so you know, and we know that 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 glycogen um, replenishment replenishment following endurance running is crucial to efficient recovery and also um in preventing the development of um overtraining syndrome. so it could potentially be really beneficial to to us as runners, I think
0: yeah, it does sound as though it would be beneficial um and also um I've read that creating may reduce muscle damage or enhance recovery from intense exercise. So that might be, you know, in, in our instance, it could be supporters when carrying an out um, interval or hill drill training. And um, The mechanism of action is that the creatine supplementation inhibits the increase of um, some um, inflammatory markers. So in particular, TNF-alpha and C-reactive protein Um, so that might be another way that we could benefit as runners so um, let's have a quick look um, at the benefits of creatine in injury prevention before we move on to consider the drawbacks of supplementation Um, so there have been several studies on this in in recent years and the outcome from them um, is that creatine either has no effect or reduces the incidence of musculoskeletal injury during training and, and competition. And um, The studies uh, noted that creatine may also reduce the risk of dehydration and uh, muscle cramps during training and competition. So I thought that was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, what the studies don't tell us is they don't tell us the me- mecha- oh, the mechanism of action. Sorry, I got my tongue twisted there. Um, but, you know, it's potential that it could be linked to this en- enhanced energy availability.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. Um, that and maybe the inhibition of the pro inflammatory markers that you mentioned earlier. So it could be twofold how how it is supportive regarding um, reducing that incidence of musculoskeletal um, injury. Okay, so let's um take a look at the potential drawbacks from the creatine supplements because there are there are there are potential, I suppose, drawbacks to taking any supplements um, over a Period of time. But one that is really generally recognized is water retention. Now, it appears to be fairly common, but thought to occur in the early stages of supplementation. So it's thought that in the first few days of taking it um, and then it subsides. Now, the reason um, this is known to occur is because creatine is um, what is known as an osmotically active substance. So, it draws water with it wherever it goes. So, that's what leads to this this um, temporary uh, water retention. But also, um, creatine is taken up into muscle uh, via a sodium dependent creatine transporter therefore water will be drawn into muscle due to the sodium so another reason why there might be this water retention um, and al- although it has to be said that um, that the intracellular sodium concentrations um, are, are, are supposed to be not dramatically affected by the creatine supplementation, but that potentially could be an effect. And some studies would suggest that the degree of water retention experienced May be dependent on the amount of creatine taken per serving. Whilst others, um, other studies suggest that there really is no difference in effects whether short-term high-level creatine are taken or long-term low doses of creatine are preferred. But really, whether the do- the, the dose is high or low, the symptoms of retention, water retention, may be there, but they do appear to be temporary. So whatever they will, they will. Disappear in time, so and that appears to be the the principal the principal side effect of them.
0: Oh well, that's again that's good information to know, isn't it? So if you do start taking creatine supplements and you notice some water retention, you'll know that within a few days, yeah, it will regulate. Um, so that's good to know. Yeah. Um, so another concern around um, supplementation is that it could cause kidney damage and renal function um, and there was a review paper from 2021 that states this idea is uh, what they call per- pervasive disinformation and um, what it states is that um, over 20 years of research um there's been no link demonstrated that between creatine supplementation and kidney dysfunction. Um, and it's thought that this concern may have developed from a poor understanding of creatine and creatinine uh, metabolism in the past. And there was a case study published uh, back in 1998. Um, and the, the case study was where a, a male was taken creatine and he suffered um, deteriorating kidney health. But apparently this individual had pre-existing renal issues and was on immunosuppressant medication. Um, so, you know, that that often happens, doesn't it? You know, there's there's one instance and people hook into the negativity of that particular one case. And then it colors future um, evidence, even though the evidence is saying that there isn't an issue. So, again, I think that's an interesting yeah. um take on it, just to, to bear in mind if anybody's read um, about being concerned about kidney damage.
1: Mm, mm, absolutely. And it and it is because of that case study that so much research into creatine and kidney function has happened since, and all showing that there's no adverse effects from the creatine supple- supplement. So I think that's really reassuring. But what I think is also important to mention here and to think about here is that, It might not actually be necessary to take creatine supplementation. So really thinking about do you need it before you take it? Thinking about any potential um, side effects that there could be, be. And right at the beginning, we mentioned that the body can make make the creatine from some key amino acids, plus it's present in certain foods, so the primary ones being the red meat and the seafood. So for some runners, I would say, as long as they're eating a balanced diet, including adequate protein for the amount of training that they're doing, then creatine status might actually be adequate and appropriate for them. Um, now, on average, the body receives around one gram to two gram of creatine per day from the diet, which I mentioned earlier. The rest is produced endogenously from the amino acids that we, that we mentioned. So that arginine, glycine and methionine. So, um, so it, it, it's potentially between the endogenous and the um, exogenous. Uh, creatine Uh, you've got enough you don't need the supplementation
0: yeah so so Karen I wondered if you could give us how much an idea of how much creatine is contained say in a serving of meat or seafood so that people can get an idea
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. So the best food source of creatine um, actually appears to be herring. Now, herring isn't really a a very uh, popular or common fish to be eaten, I don't think. Um, But in herring, per 100 grams of herring, which isn't a huge amount, you get 1.5 grams of creatine. So it's really quite high when you think from our diet, we just need between one gram and two grams. Chicken is thought to have about 1.8 grams per 100 gram served. Pork, not point six grams per hundred grams, and then salmon goes down to not 0.5 grams per hundred grams. So, interestingly, Aileen, um, they say primarily red meat and seafood, but it would suggest here that that, that sort of fish is, has got a higher amount than um, the, than a, any of the meats. Mm. So, um, so that's interesting. Now. Apparently, this one to two grams of creatine provided from the diet maintains muscle storage of creatine at a level of around 60 to 80%, which is a reasonable amount when you consider that the body can also produce creatine internally. And and as we mentioned earlier, the toted Total daily requirements are between one to three grams per day, but clearly we have to bear in mind that this will depend on muscle mass and the amount of of training. So the training load of the individual. So um, so, like I say, it, it, supplementation might not be necessary when you think how much you can get from your food um, if you're a if you're a meat eater, and um, and then the body can produce it as well. Mm.
0: yeah i'm guessing the people in the nordic countries they're the ones that eat herring the most they've probably got Mm -hmm. very decreasing levels haven't they yeah Yeah, absolutely it's not something that i fancy i've got to say even though like fish herring wouldn't be top of my Mm. list Um, yeah so this so this would suggest that unless your training load is is really high or unless you're a vegetarian or vegan runner um then an, an everyday healthy diets with sufficient protein might might be suffice.
1: Yeah, absolutely alien. Or possibly maybe if you're an older runner, because like we were saying, the re- research has shown that um supplementing with creatine um in, in older runners might improve functionality in individuals, say, with knee osteoarthritis. And as we get older that's more of a risk. Um, it can also help increase muscle strength and muscle mass as we mentioned earlier but improve functionality in inv- individuals with um fibromyalgia and um and also it's thought to have a positive influence in cognitive function and um helps minimize bone loss so again as for our older runners it might be worth considering and um, depending on the diet again on the on the training load mm. mm-hmm. OK, so very interesting.
0: I can think of a few reasons I might want to. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so um, before we move on to discuss uh, what we might need to consider when choosing a supplement, Karen, I just wondered if there was any female factors that we should consider regarding creatine.
1: Yeah, actually, there are a few that I would mention here. Um, some some information I've picked up in, includes that both men and women um, have shown to, to have benefits from creatine supplementation, but it is thought that women might not see as much Um, gain in muscle strength or muscle um, mass during training from the supplementation. So men appear to have more benefits from it. It is thought that um, females might have higher intramuscular um, creating concentrations, though, due to the fact that they have lower muscle mass overall besides men. So that's interesting. Also, endogenous um, creatine synthesis and transport is hormonally driven. Therefore, potentially its bioavailability differs at different female life stages. Now, this is because creatine kinase, so that's the enzyme um, required for that creatine synthesis, is influenced by estrogen and progesterone. So the, the, the creatine kinase levels are increased during menstruation, but tend to decrease ju- uh, during the actual menstrual cycle, but also during pregnancy and menopause. Um, so, so, so yeah, it, it's interesting that it is it's quite driven by um, by the the menstru- by menstruation and the menstrual cycle, and as a result, creating supplementation. May be um, particularly important for women during, during menses, um, during pregnancy, but also postpartum, so that after, after birth and also during the peri and postmenopause phase of life. So, um, So that's worth bearing in. And again, that feeds into the being an older runner as well. And then creatine supplementation is thought to have positive effects on muscle quality and bone health in post-menopause females when combined with resistance exercise. So um, you're not going to get the same benefits from just taking the supplementation. It's important to combine that with resistance exercise and that will support muscle and bone. So really, it does appear that supplementation could potentially be really supportive to, to females, especially as as uh, we move um, into and through that midlife phase. But anyway, Aileen, I think this might be a good time to, to take a pause um, for a short advert break. And um, I'll hand back to you.
0: Okay, thanks, Karen. So this is the, the moment in the episode where we uh, just take a moment to to have a little chat with you about what's going on uh, in our business. And, and we really hope that you're really enjoying the episode and picking up lots of information which will help you achieve your nutrition and running goals. Um, so today we're focusing on the podcast. Often we talk about things outside of the podcast, um, but we wondered if you could help us reach more runners by leaving a review for us, um, ideally on, on iTunes, although there are other places that you could leave a review. And um, we are listed on lots of different podcast platforms, but iTunes does seem to be the place that potential listeners check out reviews before they listen to an episode and and start to becoming regular listeners. So if you have got a couple of minutes free, we'd be really grateful if you could Uh, take a a moment to uh, leave a a review uh, with just a few words describing what you enjoy about listening to our episodes. Um, So, as a thank you, uh, we we always like to say thank you to people for taking time out to to help us. Um, We have a a monthly uh, podcast review competition and uh, basically it's a free prize draw so anybody who leaves a review goes into a free prize draw with us every month and um, we've got two prizes that you can choose from so if your name is pulled out of the hat um, you can choose either to have a 30-minute zoom consultation which is a food diary review uh, with us or you can have a guest pass to our easy nutrition for healthy runners video program Um, so anybody who enters uh, or leaves a review during the year um, stays in the uh, free prize draw and we uh, we choose somebody every month so if you don't get chosen the first month you've got opportunities to be chosen in future months so just to uh, give you a little idea of how you do it because often people say yeah i would like to leave a review but i don't know how to do it Um, basically if you go to your phone and you look at the um the Apple podcast app, which is the little purple logo that you'll see on the phone, Uh, click on that. And then when you get to the screen, um, go to the uh, bottom of the screen and use the search, which is the little magnifying glass icon, and then search for the name of the podcast, which is She Runs Eats Perform. So if you type that in, it will pop up. And then what you need to do is click on the show, not the episode. So there's a turquoise square. Uh, we call it with the, the white lady in the turquoise square. And it says she runs, it's performs. So um, tap on that. And then you'll scroll down to um, way past the episodes. Uh, and it'll have a, a, a line that says ratings and reviews. So if you click on write a review, which is in purple writing, you can type in that two or three sentences, let us know what your favorite parts of the podcast are. And um, and then the next bit is quite crucial. We'd ask you to take a screenshot of the review before you hit submit. And the reason that we ask you to do that is sometimes Apple takes a while to process the reviews. Uh, But if you take a screenshot and email it to us at hello at runnershealthhub.com And attach a copy of your screenshot um, will put you straight into the um, monthly free prize draw. And the other reason for doing that is that sometimes on um, iTunes, you've got a sort of a nickname and we don't know who you are. (laughs) So if you send us an email, we know who you are. And then we can get in touch with you if you're one of the lucky uh, winners. And we announce the the prize um, on the first of every month. Um, So your name will be added into the draw every month. So you get 12 chances per year to win. Um, So just want to say, you know, a big thank you from both Karen and I. We, We really appreciate all the feedback that we get on the podcast and we appreciate you listening every week, too. So I'll pass you back to Karen now.
1: Thanks, Aileen. I second all of that. Yes, we really appreciate um, all our listeners, all our followers. Okay, so now let's move on to discuss creatine supplementation and what to think about before embarking on any sort of creatine protocol. Now, the most important piece of advice I think that um, we can give is really to work with a qualified nutritional therapist um, regarding this, because they will be able to assess whether creatine is necessary for your Personal running and health goals, or not, are you getting enough from your from your diet? Remember that you can book a free call to have a chat with Aileen and I to discuss um, a personal approach um, to your nutrition and supplements for your particular training. So, um, so bear that in mind, and that would be the most important piece of advice. But when um, discussing creatine supplementation with your professional, the key areas you and they need to be considering includes the form of creatine now creatine can be purchased in several forms including creatine citrate creatine nitrate creatine salts buffered creatine but i have to say that the most the most studied form of creatine is creatine monohydrate and that's principally what you will find in the shots. Now these other forms of creatine have been studied but to a lesser degree and to date really have been found to have less physiological impact on the intramuscular stores and the performance um, when compared to creatine Monohydrate. So, but that's at the moment, you know, watch the space. Um, and it is currently thought that any beneficial effects from these other potential forms might be as a result of the the nutrients that the creatine is bound to or co-ingested with within the supplement form. And this analysis might be because um, the alternative forms contain less creatine per gram than um, creatine monohydrate um, plus. 99% 99% of ingested creatine monohydrate is absorbed into the blood then taken up by muscle or excreted in urine if there's if there's too much of it. And that's another point to make here. Claire, if you're taking a supplement and the body doesn't actually need it, it's going to excrete it. So, you know, it is it, it, it is a waste of money. So um, so it, it's another reason to really consider working with somebody to find out if if creatine supplementation is necessary for you.
0: OK, so it does sound as though creatine monohydrate is the form of choice currently. Um, and as you say, that might be due to the fact that it's the most researched and maybe in time other forms will be found to be equally beneficial. But staying on the theme of of form, uh, creatine monohydrate can be purchased in different uh, formats. So you can get it in powder, granules, tablets, and also capsules. So, um, you know, I think it's up to the individual to choose what is their personal preference, but always be mindful when you're purchasing the supplement to check the label and see what else is in there? You know, are there added binders, chalks, bulking agents, sweeteners? You know, whenever I see those kind of things, I just like, no, that's not for me. I look for something that's more natural and pure. Um, and um, the brands that that we have looked at that, that we would recommend would be um, Motion Nutrition, uh, Bonasan, and Thorn Research. So they all have a good quality creatine supplements and um, most products you'll find will contain between one gram and three grams of creatine per serving Um, but the thorn product actually contains five grams um, and there are some other supplements that uh, have as much as eight grams uh, per serving Uh, but I think that probably would only be needed in really exceptional circumstances Um, You know, if it was evident that creatine levels were severely suboptimal for whatever reason, maybe to offset creatine synthesis deficiencies or to influence disease states or to increase brain concentrations. So, you know, I think for most of us, um, sort of between one and five grams is going to be more than adequate.
1: Yeah, definitely, Aileen. The only other thing I would add here regarding product choice is to consider where it's been manufactured now in a 2021 review paper i was reading they stated that um, creatine monohydrate produced in germany is manufactured in a way that produces 99.9 pure creatine with no contaminants within it whereas another um, creatine monohydrate product produced in china um, used Different methods that resulted in heavy metals such as mercury and lead, plus other chemicals being present in the product. Now, it is thought that this might actually be due to um, the use of different chemical precursors in the Chinese production poor controlled production processes and um, and also potentially inadequate filtration methods so it is really important to know your product and purchase reputable products um, and and I think this is another reason again to work with a pre- professional because they will be able to do the research um for you and advise you accordingly it takes a big step for you for for, for you as an individual it removes a big step in um in 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 making that um purchase so that would be
0: my advice yeah well that's again really interesting information karen uh Probably people wouldn't know to uh, to consider. Yeah. Uh, so so far we've established um, which form of creatine monohydrate you might want to purchase, and um, we've given you some names of uh, reputable brands. Um, but what if, um, when we're thinking about dosage, um, I mentioned earlier that most brands contain between one gram and three grams per serving. But what is the best way of establishing How much per day an individual would require Karen.
1: Well, as I said earlier, Aileen, how much an individual needs will depend on their health and their training load, their goals, their diet, their age, but also genetics. Um, But we won't delve into genetics um, here because, you know, that could be a a whole episode just dedicated to that area. But in the um, International Society of Sports Nutrition position stand that I mentioned earlier, looking at, safety Safety and efficacy of creatine supplementation, they outline what they perceive to be the most effective way of increasing that muscle creatine stores. Now, what they suggest is um, taking on board five grams of um, creatine monohydrate. Now, that's approximately 0.3 grams per kilogram of body weight and having that four times daily for five to seven days. Now, once muscle creatine stores are fully saturated, um, you can then generally move on to a maintenance dose through taking between three to five grams per day. Again, will depend on the on the individuals.
0: Yeah, well, that does seem a lot, Karen. I mean, that's a different way of approaching it. I mean, you usually from a nutritional therapy point of view, we start small and build up, don't we? (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think that is another reason, again, why we would advocate um, actually working with someone, somebody qualified, because it would be quite easy just maybe to, to to, to to take on too much. But there are various theories about how to take creatine. So creatine loading, which is what we've spoken about, followed um, by a, a maintenance daily dose, um, as we've described. Or the other um, approach is possibly a long-term low dose. So, for example, taking three grams per day for 28 days. Now, studies have found that... The, 28 days of a lower dose of creatine supplementation can offer the same creatine accumulation in muscle as that sort of 20 grams per day that we were speaking about for five to seven days. So, you know, that again, it depends on side effects. It depends on the individual and also um, how much is required.
0: Yeah. So really, you know, what we're saying is we have to base it on individual needs and that will depend on an individual situation and what their goal is. And I suppose also how much time they have to dedicate to achieve this creatine saturation. Uh, and also it it could depend on the potential side effects and individual experience. So, you know, the water retention and weight gain that you were mentioning. Um, so, you know, for some people, a lower intake lower dose intake for longer might be more comfortable um and also what we'd recommend is that you don't take creatine for longer than three months so once you've you've gone through that initial period muscle levels could then be maintained through diet unless there's another reason for long-term use you know for example you know having a vegan diet or particular health conditions um but we'd, we'd always recommend a supplement review after three months Um, and if if that's something that anybody would like help with it is um, one of the services that we offer so we'd be able to support you Um, and I think another another factor worth mentioning is that plasma levels of creatine uh, peak at approximately 60 minutes following ingestion um, which is important to know if you're using it to enhance performance
1: yeah, absolutely, and just to add to that, Aileen, its bioavailability is also enhanced through an appropriate stomach pH, and when ingested alongside carbohydrate, um, and or you could have one or the other or both, um, carbohydrate and protein.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So, can you tell us a little bit more about that, Karen?
1: Yeah, so so thinking about the stomach pH, it, it is widely recognised that creatine is converted to creatine, creatinine, so that form in which it's excreted, at a higher rate when the pH is at between 5.5 and 3.5. However, When pH is neutral, so that's between 7.5 and 6.5 or very low, so under 2.5, creatine is relatively stable. So really, it's important to maintain an appropriate stomach acid level to encourage the optimal absorption of creatine. Now, the normal pH of stomach acid is between 1.5 and 3.5, therefore really for most people absorption shouldn't be an issue but if they do have um, issues around um, stomach acid levels that may impact on, um, on the absorption and bioavailability of creatine. Now looking at that Ingestion of 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 the supplement along with carbohydrate and protein, it's been shown in research um, that co-ingesting approximately five grams of creatine with between. Forty-seven to ninety-seven grams of carbohydrate in the form of glucose enhances creatine and glycogen storage in muscle, um, which we we did actually mention earlier. Now, one study used the co-ingestion of both carbohydrate at those levels between forty-seven and ninety-seven grams, but also uh, including fifty grams of protein, and that was found um, to lead to increased. At creatine retention. Now, that this particular study was just looking at the creatine retention, but we also know that having carbohydrate and protein together can also support glycogen storage and um, and also um, the uptake of uh, of protein and amino acids into muscle for muscle recovery. Now, another study found that creatine and glycogen loading before an exhaustive bite of exercise led to um, to greater glycogen repletion than just carbohydrate alone. So it does appear that combining them is more effective than um, having just one or the other, which we did mention earlier. Mm.
0: And that really demonstrates how appropriate creatine levels could support a runner so if if you're taking the appropriate amount um, it could support you as a runner because we know that glycogen stores and glycogen repletion following exercise is really very important for performance and recovering from training Um, so Karen just before we finish I'm I'm wondering if there's any restrictions in the use of creatine in competition so is it on the um, the WADA band list you know the world anti-doping association list
1: Actually, that's a really good question, Aileen, and a question I suppose a lot of, of runners and athletes would, would want to consider. But the answer is no. Um, so this is a supple- supplement really that any athlete could use. And the reason it isn't banned is because it is a substance found in high amounts in the food supply, as we've mentioned. So as a result of that, it's it's been, um, you know, it, it, it isn't It isn't banned on WADA. Now, it's been reported that Americans consume over four million kilograms per year of creatine which is a huge amount um and it's thought that the world worldwide use of it um, being much higher although you know i couldn't actually find any absolute figures and i couldn't find any uk specific figures either so um but it's it's used a lot generally and and clearly because it's not a banned substance there are, are no restrictions on it is that is that four million kilograms of supplement yes that's in the supplement form wow mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine what that looks like it's probably a size.
1: <laughs> yeah but you, you see those big bo- um packets of it don't you they're almost in bottles that huge yeah. bottle of, yeah. of creatine so uh Yeah, it is, it is one that, like we said way back at the beginning, that's one of the most popular supplements that are, that's used.
0: OK, so shall we just before we round up, Karen, think about one action point that um, we could all go away and do following today's episode. Um, so I was thinking it might be a good idea to for us all as individuals just to take some time to think about any of the risk factors mentioned and the symptoms um that you may be experiencing, and that might help determine whether you have a poor creatine status, um, whether it's an issue for you. Um, so the risk factors that we've we've mentioned earlier would be age, um, whether you're a female, if you're a vegetarian, vegan, vegan, if you've got a low carbohydrate intake, for example. So it might be really helpful to write these down. And then it, when you determine if you think you've got a low status then consider getting in touch with us or another nutritionist to have a conversation about it. So um, I think that brings us to the end. Karen, has been a long episode, but hopefully an interesting one for everybody. Um, But before we we do close, uh, would you be able to round up with your key takeaways?
1: Yes, absolutely, Aileen. I'll try and do it swiftly because I am aware of of the time. But just as a reminder, creatine is synthesized endogenously from um, those key amino acids, arginine, glycine and methionine, um, but can also be obtained from the diet in meat and fish. And the key role of creatine in the body is to maintain energy availability, hence why it is seen as an effective ergogenic aid for many athletes. Now, many runners may be able to maintain creatine levels by their diet alone. However, for some, supplementation might be required. So for example, vegetarian or vegan runners, older runners, or if you've got a really high training load. Load. If thinking about supplementing with creatine, we do recommend you work with a qualified and registered nutritional therapist. And when choosing a creatine supplement, remember to consider its form, the brand that you purchase, its bioavailability, and the dosage that you take. And discontinue any supplementation after three months or consult with a professional to have a supplement review. We wouldn't recommend you take any supplements for more than three months. And that is it in a nutshell, Eileen. A <laughs> <laughs> big nutshell. <laughs>
0: okay, thanks, Karen. That was a really fascinating discussion. And hopefully everyone feels much more informed about creatine and its role in sports and exercise after today's conversation. And remember, remember everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger. We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.